This morning I'll be reading some selections from Ruth. There's not really a good way for you to follow along in your Bible. I'm piecing together some verses from chapter 1 and then from chapter 4. So just listen as I read these words from Ruth. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. And she was left with her two sons. These took two Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah and the other was Ruth. And they lived there about ten years. And both Malon and Chilion died. So that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return to the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. But Naomi said to her two daughters, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them came, the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi, when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? And we skip to the end of the story in chapter 4. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her. And the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They called him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Well, we have been looking in this sermon series at this book of Ruth. We've actually gotten through the entire book, and now we're going to sort of look back and reflect on some things that maybe we didn't see the first time through. This story is more than just a love story. More than a story of the kindness of a man to this widow and her mother-in-law. We've seen it as an epic adventure. One that ultimately asks the question of God. Is God for us or against us? That's the question of the whole book. That's the bookends. Naomi, who loses a husband and who loses her two sons. Is God really against her? Should her name really be called bitter? Is she really empty? Has the Lord really brought calamity upon her? The answer to the book is no. 
Even though difficult times have come to her, God is still for her. God is still fighting for her. God is still with her. God is still supporting her through all of this. Naomi has not been abandoned. She has not been cursed. But God cares for her in the struggle. In a way, this question is still the question that dominates the center of the Christian life. For you and for I today, we must answer the question, is God for us? Is God for us? Can we trust in God to do things for us, to fight for us along the way? Or do we need to fight for ourselves? We have a great word for this. A great word for this dilemma. We call this phenomenon grace. Now when most of us think of the word grace, we tend to think simply of forgiveness. Or even temporary forgiveness. Like a grace period on paying back a loan. But the word grace is so much more than forgiveness. The word really means unmerited favor. It means even though we do not deserve anything from God, He loves us and is for us anyway. He is for us and not against us. Paul believes so strongly in grace that he can say this. He can say, if God is for us, then who can be against us? If God is really for us, What in this life can stand against us? What can we go through that can overcome us that God cannot get us through? My question for you, and and I'm giving away the whole sermon early, is do you trust in grace? Or are you really worried about taking care of things yourself? It's easy to know. Is your life a life full of worry? Do you panic? Do you hang on to things? Do you worry? Worry is the opposite of trust. See, if we trust in God, we have a security. That's the whole debate here in the book. Elimelech, when a famine comes on the land, the husband of Naomi, does not stay and trust God to get them through, but decides to take his family to Moab, an enemy nation. Do you notice Boaz didn't leave? The other relative, he doesn't seem to leave either. Most of the Israelites stay and trust that God is going to get them through. But Elimelech takes matters into his own hands and takes his family to another land. A land where there's no sacrifices. A land where there's no worship of God. It's a movement away from God. A movement to try to take care of things himself. And now Naomi, without Elimelech's leadership, is stuck with the dilemma of following that path and staying in Moab. Or will she return home? Ruth has the same choice. Do I go back to where I was? Or is the God of my parents, my my in-laws, my husband, going to be my God? And Ruth trusts. You notice how much she trusts? She even vows that even if in death, She will follow Naomi. That's probably the outcome that they're expecting. There's not much in their future. Even Boaz, who stays from the famine, is willing to care for others. He trusts that God's will is at work. Tim Keller, in his curriculum called The Gospel in Life, says that we commonly think there are two options for how we deal with grace. We either accept it or reject it. 
We either trust in it and say, yes, I believe God is for us, or we say there's no way that God is for us and we do our own thing. But in fact, Tim Keller says, and I agree, there are actually three options. One is we can accept it and really trust, but actually there are two ways that we can reject grace. One is that we simply outright reject it. But the second is much harder to tell. The second is when we try to earn God's grace ourselves. We don't accept that God's unmerited favor is for us, but we try to merit it. That's another way that we reject it. Here's a story that might illustrate this from uh, the preacher Charles Spurgeon. Once upon a time, there was a king who ruled over everything in a land. One day, there was a gardener who grew an enormous carrot. He took it to his king and said, My Lord, this is the greatest carrot I've ever grown or I ever will grow. Therefore, I want to present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. The king was touched and discerned the man's heart. So so as the man turned to go, the king said, Wait, you are clearly a good steward of the earth. I want to give a plot of land to you freely as a gift so you can garden it all. The gardener was amazed and delighted and went home rejoicing. But there was a nobleman in the king's court who overheard all of this. And he said, if that is what you get for a carrot, what if the king got something better? So the next day, the nobleman came before the king, and he was leading a handsome black stallion. He bowed low and said, My lord, I breed horses, and this is the greatest horse I have ever bred or ever will. Therefore, I want to present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. But the king discerned his heart and said, Thank you, and took the horse and simply dismissed him. The nobleman was perplexed, but the king, understanding where he was coming from, said, let me explain. The gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. I think very often we go to God just like that. We give and we work and we share, but ultimately it's still about us. Ultimately we give, we share, we work, we do the things we're supposed to do, not because we truly love God and are thankful for His grace, but because we somehow still want to earn it. Somehow we still want to work to get what God has given to us freely. That's the problem we face in church a lot. You don't come to church if you've outright rejected grace. Well, maybe you do. But most of the time, the problem in church is that we go through all the motions of being a Christian, but we ultimately still are doing it for ourselves. But when we trust in grace, when we really believe that the Lord has our best intentions, our best future in his hands, well, then we don't have to watch out for ourselves. We don't have to seek um, to, to better ourselves. We can simply trust So let me just give you a couple ways that I think grace is important for how we live. Number one, when we do not trust in grace, we always have to be watching out for ourselves. But grace gives us the freedom to be selfless, to watch out for other people. Elimelech leaves his homeland, but he doesn't think about his family. 
He doesn't think about his neighbors. He only thinks about himself. But Ruth, when she commits that the Lord will be her Lord, is willing to go and support Naomi even to death. The problem with that happens when we don't trust in grace is we end up being very selfish. And the easiest way to be selfish is to try to say that the people around us don't deserve our love or don't deserve our care. And that's how we get terrible things like racial and ethnic conflict, gender discrimination, class differences. Because it's easy if I've got to watch out for myself, one of the best things I can do is say, well, those people over there, they're not real people. For those people over there, they don't deserve as much in life as I get. But we see in Ruth, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Ruth is a Moabite. She's a foreigner. She's a single woman to be looked down upon. And yet Boaz cares for her. And yet the people watch out for her. This is what the Bible does. It, it shows us how grace changes everything about how we see ourselves. And how we see other people. And because of that, when we trust in grace, that gives us the freedom to be generous. When we don't trust in grace, what we have to do is keep everything for ourselves. We've got to hoard our money. We've got to hoard our stuff. Because we don't find any security in trusting in God. We have to trust in ourselves. We've got to trust in our job. We've got to trust in our bank account. But God, in His grace, gives us the freedom to suddenly be generous. And isn't that a major theme in the book of Ruth? Boaz, who's willing to sacrifice so much of his own estate to save these women. He doesn't need to marry Ruth, but he's willing to do it. Even Naomi in the story, as the story progresses, she seems to understand grace more and is willing to sell her field. Her field is the only remnant of the life that she used to have. Ruth willing to give up her life. This is the kind of generosity that grace leads us to. But only if we trust in the grace. If we're still trying to earn it ourselves, if we don't think God is really for us, then what do we tend to do? We tend to watch out for ourselves. We tend to trust ourselves and find our security in the things that we can have around us. Why are people generous? Some people are generous and still self-seeking. Some people are generous and they'll give to the plate or they'll give to the Red Cross or give to all these other things. But, but their expectation is still they're doing that because they believe God will give that back to them tenfold. Giving is not an investment. It's an act of worship. And so generosity comes when we trust in grace. Further, when we do not trust in grace, we tend to cut corners to get what we want. We can lie and we can be dishonest. And we can say that the ends justify the means. But trusting in grace gives us the freedom to act in character. Character is who you are. It's the core of your being, the center of your actions from which all, everything else comes. It's the thing that determines how you act. Grace gives us the power to not worry about the outcome, but to say that how we do things is important. That we're not going to be dishonest. That we're not going to lie. We're not going to cheat. We're not going to be dishonest at work. We're not going to keep things from our boss, from our coworkers, from our friends, from our family. Why? Why do we do those things? It's because we don't trust God with the ends. 
We try to cheat because we think we got to watch out for ourselves. The Christian life is about trusting in God's grace. And if God is for us, and who can be against us? Then I can live my life in character and trust that God is going to take care of the results. That is a life of character. I might be persecuted if I'm honest about something bad at work. What should I do? I should trust. This is what Boaz does. He's willing to do the right thing. He obviously in the text has some sort of an attraction towards Ruth. But when she comes to him in the middle of the night, though he may have been tempted, he does not take advantage of her. Though Ruth may have had the chance to chase after other guys in the field, she does not do it. With Boaz giving her so much food, she may not have had to work as hard, but Ruth does anyway. Boaz being attracted to Ruth seems to really want to marry her. But he's willing to go forward to this other relative and offer her hand to him since he has the first right to do so. Why? Because he trusts God with the outcome. Do you trust God with the outcome? Do you trust that God is really for you in your life or are you still trying to cling and fight for yourself? There's no security when you watch out by your, for yourself. How much money do you have to have in the bank before you can feel secure? Ask people who have a lot of money. You find they're not any more secure than most of us are. How much more stuff? How many more friends? How much more prestige do you have to have for, to feel security? Security doesn't come that way. I don't think God's going to ever give you security in anything else other than His grace. But I think in God's grace you have an amazing ability to have security and even to have boldness. If you don't trust in God's grace, we ten then, then there's a tendency to live life being timid and doubting. But when you trust in God's grace that God really is for you, God gives you the freedom to act with boldness. Like Ruth going before Boaz, Ruth going out to glean, Boaz being willing to take this family on. Imagine Ruth's boldness when she decides to go with Naomi into Israel. She doesn't know, there, know people there. She doesn't really speak the language. She looks different. She dresses different. She knows she's going to be hated by those people. There's no men in her life to protect her, to stand in her corner. So the chances are when she goes out to glean that she really might be molested or abused. But imagine the boldness to step forward into the things you feel called to do. That is what grace can do for us. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what uh, foreign land you're in. I don't know what struggles you're going through. I don't know where you feel alone and abused. I don't know where you feel like God is distant. But I know that God was there for Ruth and Naomi. And I know as we approach Easter that we look to this giant cross here and we remember what Jesus has done for us. You want to know that God is for you and not against you? There's the proof. The proof is that Jesus would come and do that. An excruciating death on a cross for you. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God is for you that he would sacrifice his own son. As Romans 5, 7 and 8 says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. So today, have you trusted or have you rejected God's grace? Maybe not outright rejected, but are you still trying to earn it in some way? Are you still trying to find your security in something other than what God has done for you? God's grace changes our lives. He gives us the boldness to keep going through the difficult times. Stop cutting corners. Don't cling to your possessions. But trust in grace. Let us pray. Lord, Easter is coming. The proof of your love and your favor is about to be celebrated. Please work in our hearts and devastate our lives with your grace this Easter. Like the characters in the book of Ruth, may our world never be the same. Amen. Hymn is number 212. What wondrous love is this?